Okay, well, great to see you guys out again. Welcome back to our series, For His Friends. And we are looking at some New Testament friendships that follow after the ultimate friend, Jesus. And in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll be looking at Jesus as a friend. And don't forget, we're celebrating the Lord's Supper together on the evening of March 28th. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, also, we have our special spring uh, Easter invites out at Connection Point for you to be able to invite your friends. These are also a wonderful gospel track uh, that present the gospel uh, to people that you know and love. And so get those on your way out this morning. Easter Sunday is only three weeks from today. It's hard to believe, isn't it? And coming up, we're looking forward to that. Uh, also, the weather's changing. And if you would be willing to be on our volunteer lawn crew for all of the property, uh, there's sign-ups available today at Connection Point. And when you sign up, you're signing up to be a part of a team that does everything about once a month. So it's not a huge time commitment, but every hand really helps. And we really need your help this year. If you have any questions, ask Bill Van Sickle or Sid Rocklets about that, <clears throat> and they'll get you all hooked up. Next Sunday, we are starting our, uh, our spring session in our adult Bible classes in the first hour, and so uh, everything's changing from what it was this week, and so uh, getting into next week, there will be a beginnings class that is in the book of Genesis. It's right here in the auditorium, and then we have a parenting class that's going to be starting down the hall. Uh, we also have a ladies' class down there, uh, a small group that's for 65 and older, and uh, not to age discriminate, but if you, f if you feel 65 or older, you could go down there, okay? Uh, and then we have a topical Bible study class down in this wing with the Fallons, and they choose a, a topic from uh, the Thompson Chain Study Bible and go through that chain, and it's a wonderful idea. I love what they're doing there. Yeah, but those are some offerings that we have for you starting next Sunday, and those classes will go for 10 weeks, and so we're looking forward to that. It is good to have uh, some of our family here today. My parents had uh, texted a while back that they wanted to come this week, and, and my mom's mother, of course, is still living and wanted to see her and possibly see the new baby, you know, and some things like that. So uh, <clears throat> right away... Uh, one of my sisters, Laura, who lives in Texas, texted that she got a ticket. She's coming too. And then Emily from West Virginia texted she might as well come too. And then everybody else felt peer pressure. And uh, so Sharon, who has always succumbed to peer pressure, um, I can pick on her. You guys know Sharon, right? She can take it. And then she, she came in. And then Amy, the other sister who's not here, is coming in in the morning. Uh, she had to play the piano at her church today, and so she couldn't come today. But <clears throat> it's full-blown family reunion now, and so we're going to have a good time this week during their spring break. We are glad that you are here this morning. We're headed to Acts chapter 4, and today, uh, if you looked in your notes on the Uversion app or in your bulletin or in your kids' bulletin, you see that we're going to talk about Barnabas as a friend. <clears throat> Barnabas. As a friend, there are seven spiritual gifts listed in Romans 12, and every believer is given at least one of these gifts at the moment of salvation. Uh, and the list of the gifts in Romans 12, prophecy, 
ministry, teaching, uh, exhortation, giving, ruling, and mercy. And I bring up this list because in the book of Acts, Barnabas shows us the practical meaning of spiritual exhortation. And if I had to ask you right now for a dictionary definition of the word exhortation, how many of you admit you might just be a smidge frightened to shout out the answer, right? You guys want to give it a go, the meaning of exhortation with, with the Greek word, you know, and all that stuff? Uh, hopefully by the end of this message, we're going to have a good understanding of what it means to practice exhortation. And so we're going to go to Acts chapter 4 as we get started this morning. Verse number 36, and Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levine, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, before we understand Barnabas as a friend, we really need to get to know him. But wouldn't it be neat if we could interview Barnabas here at our church service today? Wouldn't that be cool? Well, it just so happens that old Barnabas is coming in right now. He's coming in right now. Would you help me welcome him to the stage? Here comes Barnabas. This is great. And it's incredible. We get old Barnabas fixed up. And we're going to give Barnabas a, a microphone. Do you know what a microphone is, Barnabas? Okay, here he comes. We're, I'm just going to sit with him and we're going to do a little interview so we can get to know Mr. Barnabas. Here he is. Well, very good. Can I come? Yeah, play along. Here we go. All right. Now, let's get into your background just a little bit, uh, Barnabas, um, just so everybody in the crowd understands. And yeah, we're going to read between the lines of Scripture a little bit and cover what is most likely true about our old buddy Barney. Uh, has anybody ever called you Barney? Just, just kidding. So, so your name is Barnabas. Now, is that your real name or is that a nickname? That's a nickname. It's a nickname. Okay, well, where, where'd you get it? Who started calling you, though? The apostles of Jesus. The apostles of Jesus started calling you Barnabas. Yeah. That is crazy. They're the ones who gave you the nickname. What does your nickname mean? It means... Son of consolation or son of exhortation. Okay, so why do you think they called you that? I believe they started calling me that because I finally went and did what I was called to do. Okay, so, so you had been encouraged to do something. But Acts 4 is the first time we've ever met you in Scripture. Uh, what were you encouraged to do? Well, it started a, a few years earlier. I was in the city of Jericho, a Levitical city, and I saw this huge crowd. And hearing that Jesus was in town, I ran up to him and I asked him a question. Wait, you saw Jesus? Yes, be before he was crucified and rose again. Okay, so what did you ask him? Well, I went up to him and I said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, so that's an interesting question. Did he answer you? Oh, boy, did he ever answer me. Uh, 
he saw right through me. He knew exactly what I needed in my life. Uh, he, you see, I was born a Levite and sort of raised a Pharisee. Okay. So I knew the whole law. <clears throat> but I found a way to get around the law. You see, God had forbidden Levites to own any land in the promised land. But uh, I owned a lot of land in Cyprus. And okay, I, on the I island. Had, I had a lot of servants. I didn't own any land in the, in the promised land, but I owned land in Cyprus. I had lots of possessions. Mm. So <clears throat> Jesus, you know, is, is talking to you. And what did he say to you when you asked him that question? Well, when I, when I walked up to him and I said, good master, first thing he said was, why callest thou me good? There's only one good, and that's God. And, and then he said, you know the commandments. And I did. I was, I was in line to become a member of the Sanhedrin. Wow. So the, like the council of the Pharisees? Yes. Wow. Yeah, and so he said, you already know the commandments. Like, what commandments did he t say? Uh, do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Uh, don't defraud. No, wait. He said, don't defraud. Was, is that one of the Ten Commandments? Actually, it is. It's the Tenth Commandment. It actually reads... Thou shalt not covet. But he used the word defraud because he knew what was in my heart. He knew that I was greedy. Mm. He knew that I was cheating my, my servants. He knew that I was taking advantage of my workers. He knew that I was not honoring my parents the way I should. He also knew that I was not honoring God with my, with my money. He... He was on to my game. In fact, the last command he quoted to me was, honor thy father and thy mother. Oh, the, the last and, one he said. Yeah, yeah he, t he really took that out of order from the, huh. the way so it's, it's kind of just so it would attach to your heart. Yes. Okay, so what did you say when he mentioned all those things to you? I said, good master, all these things have I observed from my youth. Uh, well, you see, a Pharisee never, and I do mean never, ever, confesses to breaking God's law. Okay, so, so you lied to Jesus about keeping the law. Yes, I did. No human can keep the whole law. And then what happened after that? <clears throat> Well, I still remember it like it was yesterday. He said, one thing thou lackest, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, take up thy cross and follow me. Like I said, I remember every word. Wow, so he called you to an extreme act of courage. How did you respond? Did you follow him? No. Uh, 
not then. I had a lot of possessions, and, and, and I chose my possessions over Jesus. I, I walked away. I walked away sad, but I walked away. Okay, but obviously you became a Jesus follower. So how did that happen? Well, after he was buried and risen from the dead, I, I came to believe that he truly was the Son of God. I received him as my Lord and Savior. I got baptized and I joined the church at Jerusalem. Then I went and sold everything I had and I brought all the money and I laid it down at the feet of the apostles. I finally did what he had called me to do. And from then on, I have made it my mission to encourage other people Fully follow Jesus. Mm. I found out that what was impossible with man is possible with God. Wow, that's an incredible testimony. Barnabas, I want to thank you for sharing that with us. And that really helps us to know more about you. And, and thanks for coming to church today. Would you guys thank Barnabas for coming all the way to Caldwell, Idaho today? Thank you, Barnabas. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Brother Barnabas. He makes a good Barnabas, doesn't he? Tell you what. Before we get into the notes, I, let me just say that there is no conclusive proof that Barnabas was the rich young ruler, uh, but there are a lot of scriptural signs that point to it, and, and there have been some really interesting articles written about it in Bible commentaries over the years. Uh, our focus today is to understand more about Barnabas as a friend. And, and so we're going to see some things uh, as we go through this today, and you can keep track in your notes. First, we see that he was the son of consolation, the son of consolation. As we read in Acts 4, his real name was Joseph, but for some reason, the disciples took notice of this Levite from Cyprus maybe the rich young ruler, maybe a former member of the Sanhedrin, and they appropriately named him Barnabas, which was evidenced by his life and testimony. So either he had done what he was exhorted to do, is what the word he could mean, or he was good at exhorting others to do things, or both. And we see him building and encouraging others throughout the rest of the scriptural record that includes him. Uh, Barnabas helped other people to gain courage and faith, and that's what an exhorter does. Now, the Greek word for exhorter is paraclete, okay? Not to be confused with the word parakeet. Uh, paraclete is one who walks beside another to comfort or help. And it's interesting that Jesus introduced his disciples to the paraclete that was coming, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete. And Barnabas was acting out the Spirit's leading in his life to be an exhorter, a comforter, an encourager. And we see that in this next part. And I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 9 as we see this uh, second part, Seeking for Saul. 
seeking for Saul. We noticed last week in our message about Paul, uh, Saul, Paul, when everybody else was running from the newly converted Saul of Tarsus, Barnabas ran toward him. He befriended him and vouched for him. And, uh, you know, there are very few people uh, who are courageous enough to run into a situation when everybody else is running out, right? Whether we're talking about an emergency with firemen and police, uh, like happened on 9-11, and hundreds of firefighters ran up those stairs and died in the building collapses uh, as other people were running out. Or, or whether it's a crisis, whether it's a, something that happened in your friendship, something that happened uh, during a circumstance in your life, and everybody else looked down on you, they ran out of your life, but somebody ran in. And that's what happened with Barnabas and Saul. He befriended him, and he vouched for him. And look at this in Acts 9, verse number 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And believe not that he was a disciple, right? So they decided, you know what? We don't really think he's a disciple, so we're not going to help him, right? Now, what if everybody decided that about each other at church? I, I don't really think he's a Christian, so I'm going to have nothing to do with him. And how would church go? How would it work in our friendships if we made these assumptions? But they made this assumption. Now, I want you to notice the next four words. But Barnabas took him. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas ran toward him. By the way, just a little food for thought. If Barnabas had been the rich young ruler and had been a member of the Sanhedrin, then he already certainly knew Saul of Tarsus. Now, I want you to go to Acts chapter 11, and I want you to see uh, what happens there. Acts chapter 11 and verse number 19. Now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and look who they sent. They sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. Now let's read about who Barnabas was and what he did. Verse 23, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and what did he do? Exhorted them all. Why did he exhort them all? Because he was an exhorter. Uh, his name means son of exhortation. And so he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. And so these were people who already had an interest in God, but Barnabas helped them take the next step. Now, let's look at more of his bio in verse 24. For he was a good man, 
and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Now check out verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. So Barnabas went out of his way to travel from Syria to southern Turkey just to find Saul of Tarsus again. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So Barnabas travels from Antioch to Tarsus to find Saul, and he gets him involved in the revival church at Antioch. This church at Antioch was a peculiar church. It was a spirit-filled church that was going to be the mission-sending church for all of the first-century groups of churches. And God had big plans for Saul's life, for Paul's life. He wanted Paul on the front lines of Christianity. What better place to be on the front lines of Christianity than where the disciples were first called Christians? Jerusalem was the church Jesus started. It was the first church. It was the persecuted church we just read that scattered abroad so that other churches could be started. And now Antioch would be the missionary sending church. Let's talk about Barnabas and Paul being sent into mission. And that's the third part of our message, sent into mission. Now go to Acts chapter 13, and we keep walking through the book of Acts here, and I want you to see what happens next. It says, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now, in our earlier discussion uh, about Barnabas possibly being the rich young ruler, uh, another thing I could have pointed out was this phrase we just read from verse 2. The work whereunto I have called them. Uh, apparently, both Barnabas and Saul, before this time, had already been called by God. Now, we know that Saul was called by God on the road to Damascus. And Barnabas, possibly outside of Jericho that day, when Jesus called him to sell everything, help the poor, and follow Jesus. Whatever the case, Saul and Barnabas had both already been called. And God specifically wanted Barnabas as the mentor for Paul's life. God asked Barnabas to be the one to guide Paul and to teach him what missionary work was, to teach him how he was supposed to move forward. And the Holy Ghost called and separated Barnabas by name. And then the thriving church at Antioch, led by the Spirit of God, sent them both out as the first Christian missionaries in the history of Christianity. And one of the first places they sailed, interestingly enough, was Cyprus. One of the first places they sailed was Cyprus, the place where Barnabas had owned land, the place where maybe he'd taken advantage of people financially, the place where he hadn't honored God because he 
didn't really know God at that time. And now he's back, not as Joseph, but as Barnabas, the son of consolation. And folks, there is such a powerful message to us in the life of Barnabas. If you're not dead, God's not done, right? He, he works through your failures, through your denials, through your negative experiences and your heartaches and your pain and your sorrow, and he does it all for his glory. That's what he did for Paul. That's what he did for Barnabas. That's what he'll do for you if you'll trust him. God made you for mission. You are his workmanship created for good works. And that mission may be to travel across the world like Barnabas and Paul did. Or it may be to encourage someone who lives right here in your community and to watch God make a difference in that person's life. When you go seek for the people God seeks, you will find yourself doing exactly what God has called you to do. Now let's move ahead one last time to Acts 15. Yeah, we're going to go to the end of Acts chapter 15 as we finish up this morning. And I tell you what, all you boys and girls that are in here are doing a fantastic job today. Oh, you're sitting so nice. And we're so proud of you. Acts 15. I want you to go uh, to verse number 36. And this is part of the story we covered last Sunday. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, I want you to see this fourth part of the message, seer of potential. Seer of potential. At the end of Acts 15, we can see negatives in the conflict uh, that took place between Barnabas and Paul. We talked about that last week. We could assign blame to either one of them, and we could say this dispute was Barnabas' fault. This dispute was Paul's fault. And we can find faults, or we could just understand that God works all things together for His good and His glory. And uh, the truth is, John Mark likely needed the rough treatment from Paul to protect him against being a lifelong quitter. And he also needed the compassionate treatment from Barnabas to strengthen his young faith. And you need both too, right? Uh, sometimes you need a Barnabas to walk alongside of you and comfort you, and sometimes you need a Paul to kick you in the seat of the pants, right? How many of you ever uh, metaphorically been kicked in the seat of the pants, right? How many of you have ever fit, well, we won't do physically, but that you probably have been kicked in the seat of the pants to move forward in life, and you can remember the times where you were called on the carpet. 
right? You, you can remember times even in your childhood where somebody found you doing this or caught you doing that, and they called you on the carpet. And you know, one of the times when I had that happen in my life, uh, I had been assigned to babysit my sisters, all four of my little sisters. And you can just imagine how this would be for a, a 12-year-old boy, uh, you know, just traumatizing to watch four little girls at the, at the house, and mom and dad went on a date or a banquet or something, and here I am assigned to watch these girls. And uh, now, the story came out afterward. I still don't know how the story came out, but uh, there was a particular sister, and I won't name which one, Laura. Um, I won't name which one who was always the tattletale, uh, who always told on her brother, and uh, supposedly she said, Tony made us lick the carpet while he babysitted us, babysat us. She might have said babysitted, but and, uh, oh, what? Made they lick the carpet? It might have just been a joke, right? I don't think it really happened. And it, can you imagine that I got called on the carpet <laughs> over licking carpet? And I still remember it to this day. And uh, there are times in your life where you get called out for something and you still remember it. A teacher or a coach or somebody calls you out in love and helps you move forward in life. And then there are times where you've got a companion who comes alongside of you and talks you through it and moves you ahead. John Mark needed both. And so Paul took Silas and headed out on what is known as the second missionary journey. And Barnabas took Mark because it was time for him to take on a new challenge. Not only the challenge of encouraging another young man in Christ, but did you notice where they went? Yeah, they sailed to Cyprus. Right back to Cyprus, off the coast of Syria, once again under the burden of reaching his own people for Christ. Last Sunday, we noticed that Paul who was once extremely aggressive and wore his zeal on his shoulder, uh, allowed the Spirit of God to continue developing his life. And he ended up seeing potential where not many people would and influencing many young disciples to become mission leaders. Whether he knew it or not at the time, he learned a bunch of that from Barnabas, the son of consolation, the encourager, the exhorter, always looking to build another person's life. And in the faith challenge today, there's something you need to ask yourself. Has God gifted you to come alongside those who desire to serve Him? Right? Because there are certain people in the church, in the body of Christ, who have been given the gift of exhortation. And we don't know how many are here today who've been given that gift, but maybe it's you. Now, I'll give you some clues as to uh, who may have the gift of exhortation. How many of you would be scared to death to come up here and uh, do some public speaking today, right? And most of you won't even raise your hand because you're afraid I call on you uh, just to be mean, right? So you're afraid of public speaking. Maybe talking to a group of 10 people scares you to death, but you could be an encourager of one. 
who would encourage another, who would encourage another. And that's the 2 Timothy 2.2 model. That's the biblical model. That's the Barnabas model. Remember this, Joseph didn't become Barnabas until he was ready to lay everything on the altar. And you won't become who God wants you to be until you surrender all. Right now in your mind, can you see Jesus as he looks with love on this rich, pompous young Pharisee who runs to him to boast about how well he's kept the law? And Jesus sees his heart. Jesus sees that he's been so effective at deception that he has completely deceived himself. And maybe his name was Joseph, and maybe it wasn't. But Jesus, it says, beholding him, loved him. And he told him a life-changing truth. There's only one way to follow Jesus. You have to abandon your trust in everything else. That includes yourself, your education, your religion, your social status, your stuff, everything. Paul, the former Pharisee, said it best. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He had to surrender all. I surrender all is um, an old hymn that was written in 1896 by Judson von Deventer. And I I read this interesting story about the hymn. Listen to this story. Uh, Connie's going to play through it. I want you to hear this story. One of the evangelists who influenced my early preaching, uh, was also, uh, this is the story being told, was also a hymnist who wrote, I Surrender All, the Reverend J.W. Von Deventer. He was a regular visitor at the Florida Bible Institute in the late 1930s. We students loved this kind, deeply spiritual gentleman and often gathered in his winter home at Tampa, Florida for an evening of fellowship and singing. And it was during that singing that I fully surrendered my life to Christ. You know who wrote that story? You may have heard of him before. His name is Billy Graham. His life was changed by singing a hymn in a home in Tampa, Florida. And the message that Jesus gave to the rich young ruler, the message that Billy Graham heard from the evangelist, are the exact message we need today. And so instead of closing in public prayer today, I want to close in musical prayer. And so we're going to put the words on the screens for you, and let's sing this hymn together as a prayer to God. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence.
daily live, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender humbly at His feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all, I surrender to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Sing the chorus with me just one more time. I surrender all. I surrender to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Amen. God bless you, everybody. We love you. We'll see you next time.